what do I love? What am I like passionate about? What do I, what would I do for free? You know? Right. And then, oh, if they pay you, great. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. And I'm so excited because I have actually one of my idols, believe it or not, because I'm Jewish and any nice. great Jewish athlete. Yeah, you represent. <laughs> I, yeah, so Sue Bird, <laughs> uh, one of the greatest, if not greatest, point guards from the WNBA and one of the few people that have Olympic gold medals, NCAA championships, as well as WNBA championships, which is not easy. So there's no doubt that you carry a spirit of excellence. Um, we come from similar backgrounds, like the great Italian, Russian, Jewish background. Uh, how did that drive you to be successful, having what I assume was a lot of uh, driven parents who probably, yeah. your dad's a doctor, I think. Yep. And then there's probably some guilt in there. <laughs> <laughs> Always, right? How'd that all work out for you? Um, yeah, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you probably don't realize it till later in life, how lucky you are. Because in, in the moment, it feels kind of like annoying or like you're being nagged. <laughs> um, but I was really lucky to have two parents who, my dad, like you said, my dad was a doctor. Um, my mom a was nurse. a nurse. Yeah. yeah, that's how they met. Um, kind of a classic story. My mom actually, they, they have different backgrounds. My dad, um, he, um, he grew up in Brooklyn, like had great education his whole life, went to Brown, like, you know, did his whole thing. My mom, her scenario was, was more, she grew up on Long Island. They didn't have like a ton of money. She has um, a couple more siblings. My dad has one sister. My mom has like three to four. One of them was a half. It's a long story. But she really had to like put herself through college. So, but at the end of the day, they both got to where they got with obviously a ton of hard work. And I actually have an older sister as well. She's right. five years older. This is why you guys wear number 10 because you're yeah, both born, born in October, October, right? Yeah. 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 I'm um, a numbers guy, so I <laughs> love that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, and my sister was really driven. So it's like, while my parents 100% set you know, high standards, expectations. Um, it was my sister that kind of was the first one to like really drive that home. And I just was always trying to copy her. Cause five years is like this interesting gap. Yeah. It's like, we were not close growing up, but yet for me, I always looked up to her. We didn't become close later till later. Um, I was definitely the annoying little sister. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our parents were always on us, you know, couldn't do anything until you finished your homework, um, you know, checking our grades and all that stuff. And did you grow up in the city? No, 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 I'm yeah. from Long Island. From Long Island. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, back then a lot of people don't realize, you know, you guys both played sports, you and your mm -hmm. sister. Yep. But, you know, to come from that area and be probably the best high school basketball <laughs> player and you actually switched yeah, high school. schools which is rare for, at that time for you know a woman to switch yeah. high school for sports you know and then you know you have like all these anomalies about because I grew up so Jewish my brother's rabbi my mom was the principal of a Jewish okay. school right like, oh, it, yeah, like yeah, really yeah. pressed yeah. and like for me I'm I just transferred not to a Catholic school. right you transferred <laughs> to a Catholic school to play basketball yeah like I'm the, I, I have six kids in my family I went to college to play football, mm -hmm. and so, you know, looking at me, you can imagine the long, long list of colleges that wanted <laughs> me to play football. Yeah. So my mom, I grew up with a single mom, okay. freaked out, right, because education uh, was everything. Right. So as I looked at you, I'm like, I wonder what it was like going home and just telling your parents, I'm gonna, I really want to play at this high school that's, you yeah. know, this Christian. No, home. so yeah. this is actually kind of funny. So the short of it is that, like, a bunch of different things were happening at the same time. My parents were splitting up, so that was happening. Yeah. And then, so that kind of is what like led us to my dad getting an apartment 
in Queens. But Queens obviously wasn't like some random destination. Like right. that's where Christ the King was, that's <laughs> where I was gonna go. But I was also, I had been playing for this AAU team in the summers, AAU's like everything. Yeah, and so, I'm a Paul brother guy, I've yeah, okay. AAU for years. All right, cool. <laughs> so yeah, so you know then like, and that's, um, so that's the team I was with every summer, so, and all those girls went to Christ the King. It was basically like a Christ the King kind of sort of affiliated team. Yeah. So I already had this like built in like friendship group and understanding of what was going on there. Um, the coaches were the same, so there was that. And then um, the other thing was that um, I went to Sasset High School, so did my sister, and she played basketball. And basically, like, not to get in the whole song and dance of it, my dad, who's, like, very into basketball. Like, honestly, I don't even think it matters <laughs> that I play it. He's, right. just, he's into it regardless. Women's basketball. It's, yeah, like, nice. not even about me. He's, like, all about <laughs> it. But he just, um, in defense of, like, some of the girls on my team, he didn't feel like the coach was doing a great job. He just felt like he, they were, he, she was treating them, like, unfairly. Not even to me, really. Yeah. And so it just, the whole thing just kind of played out where he was the one that was like, okay, I think we should go to Christ the King. I was okay with it because I wanted to do it, but also like I had my friends, I was cool. Now I was gonna have these like two friendship groups, right. you know, Syosset, where I'm from, and then Christ the King, it was perfect. So for me, it didn't matter, but it was actually my dad. So it wasn't me, like I didn't knock on the door, like, hey, I wanna do this. Okay, cool. My dad was actually one of the ones that was like, I think this is best for you and your basketball career. And then going to college, you know, like rejecting Stanford to me, it's they've, you sound. I'm, I'm gonna talk about my dad a lot here. You that, sound like my dad. Yeah, well, think, I figure because I'm crazy. I'm, yeah, I would. I was he, crazy. All my siblings went to the Ivy Leagues: Harvard, okay. Penn, yeah. Columbia. My dad and my sister. And they thought I was. I got accepted to one Ivy League school, no money, right? right obviously, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to play football. And I found this Division three small school, Occidental, <laughs> where yeah, Obama yeah. went. All right, yeah. and I, but they let me play. Right. Like the coach literally said, "You're gonna play here." And I was like, okay, my mom, I was crazy. <laughs> and although I would have went to Stanford and not played football, because that right. was my dream school, they rejected okay. me for undergrad, for law school. Now I speak there, and it's the way I always start my speeches. I know, as you I'm like, it's a good look, you guys, exactly, you guys are teaching me now, you rejected me, but that's, that's the way it turns around. Um, but we do, we, we take on our parents' uh, advice, even though yeah. just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Now, fast forward, uh, one of the best basketball careers next to Larry Bird, Sue Bird, that's where we see him, the great careers, right? And, yeah. um, but it's interesting because you had a lot of individual accolades, although I watched you play from the time you were at UConn, and you're one of the greatest, like Magic Johnson, mm -hmm. team players of all time. Yeah. Was there a conflict with your teammates and, and your own self about like, wow, I, I want to give my teammates the, because you played for one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. I think you lost four games in four years, yeah. which is really, really hard to do in basketball. Yeah, right. So how, like, how did you deal with, with that side of it? Um, that was, I mean, I think the way I play is just what comes natural. It's not something I ever set out to do. I mean, I have like vivid, vivid memories of some of my early coaches, AAU coaches actually, being like, Sue, please shoot. Please, we're begging <laughs> like you Like LeBron shoot. early in his career. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> and I, I would almost like get in trouble for not being selfish. It was just, I think just by nature, that's how the game came to me or that's how I found it. So as I got older, yeah, you have to try and find a balance because you know, you kind of discover if you're not doing the things that can be viewed selfish when they're you know, the right time to do them, if you're not shooting when you're supposed to, if you're not being aggressive, that kind of thing, you're actually in some bizarre way, it's like full circle, you are being selfish because you're not doing what you can to help the team. So there is a balance there. And then once you find it, which for me probably came, I mean like as I went, it like got better and better, but like starting in high school, college for sure, 
um, and then onto the pros, it was like, that was just who I was. It was never an issue. I never had a problem with, you know, teammates or anything like that. It was just like, I'm the point guard, I'm gonna run the team. Yeah. Um, hopefully I'm doing my job in such a way that I can actually yell at you and you're okay with it because you understand it's coming from a good place. And that's kind of how I approach it. And you know, you're an obvious perfectionist, but moreover, I believe there's a spirit of excellence that mm -hmm. certain people, and I've seen it in baseball, football, basketball, yeah. hockey, they get onto a team and it's not an accident that you win a lot. Right, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, there's something about winning. What is your philosophy about winning? Philosophy about winning? Um, like is it? Because like, yeah. some people tell me, for example, because it's a little obscure question, you know, I, I look at winning as I just hate to lose more than anything else. That's no, I why see. I win. Is there some philosophy uh, or motivation for winning for you, or yeah, some feeling that it, you have? That I have, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely true that the feeling. So this is what's interesting about winning, right? You, you know, it's this long journey. It's like a full season. It's all these practices. And at times you can kind of get lost. But that moment at the end, okay, it's 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 like it's unlike anything else. It really is. When you're, you know, just to give you like an image, when you're actually like hoisting the trophy, that moment, like on the podium, you've just done it. There's literally nothing like it. The high of it, um, the sense of accomplishment, the sense of satisfaction, um, and then hopefully the party that follows after. Like <laughs> those 24 hours, like that moment followed by those like, maybe not even 24 hours. You can't, there's nothing like it, and I don't care what you do, you cannot replicate it. Like I'm sure there's other things in life like, you know, maybe having a child, yeah. those kind of things. I get it, there's things in life, you know? Yeah. Kind of how maybe I felt like when I was, I don't know, five on Christmas morning, like there are <laughs> things, but as it pertains to sports and winning, like th there's nothing like it. And, and I mentioned the, those 24 hours because it's funny, like this past summer our team won, and I already knew going in because I had experienced it, but you know, that night when you party with your team, you try to recreate it the next night because you're excited, and, and for us, we flew back to Seattle, and like you have a good time, but it's never like that first night. And so I, I, I bring this all up to say, for me, I got addicted to that one feeling, hmm. and it only lasts like right. not a very long time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you got to do it all over again. It's sports crack. But, yeah. Except you have to work, 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 work. work. Yeah. exactly. And then with that, you find I found that you get also addicted to like the actual process of it. And I know people like throw that around a lot, so it's kind of, but it's true. It's like you do, you fall in love with the day-to-day -day of it. Yeah, and, that, and that's I think what sports gave me, mm -hmm. is because I knew kind of going into college, I wasn't gonna be a Sue Bird or a Warren Moon. Yeah. You know, for me it was, I just enjoyed the whole process. I would be so bummed when the season ended. Yeah. And you know, the, the championship, because we were good for Division Three. Mm -hmm. that, that feeling's great, but for me, that helped me most in life because I learned to kind of enjoy the consistent everyday, yeah. persistent without quit, the, pursuit the of my potential. Game, you know, yeah, you're my like, wait, potential. why am I doing this on a Tuesday? Yeah. And you're like, because just this little bit is going to help you on Wednesday and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah you definitely fall in love with it. Now, you know, all athletes uh, live two deaths. Mm -hmm. So they say. Right. And, <laughs> you know, you transitioned out of playing a long time right. uh, into what we call the business world. And, what was the biggest challenge for you of that transition when you went from, gosh, I can't play anymore? Yeah, well, I'm still playing. I'm still playing. Oh, you're working for the Nuggets and still playing yeah. for the Storm. Yep. 
Wow, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I this is perfect. Yet. Oh, forget Don't it then. Don't put me in the death yet. So let, let me but switch no, no, the question. No, it's actually. No, yeah. no, I can, you, I can already answer. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's unique about a women's basketball player is that the WNBA season is fairly short. It's only in the summer, and most of us do go to Europe in the off season. And so while you are playing year round, um, which is which is like you know on your body not so great, but from like a financial standpoint, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, you get to make money, get to do all these things. It's like a real um, job. Yeah. But what happened for me was that a couple years ago, not necessarily just for like basketball purposes, I decided to stop playing overseas. There's like a, a bunch of reasons. Yeah. And what that did was open up my off season. So now I have this perfect world of like, I'm not retired, I'm still playing, I'm still working out every day, I'm still trying to like get to that goal, but I do have like six legitimate months to like figure out what I wanna do, and what I wanna be when I grow up, right. you know? And in that process, it's been like four years now, four off seasons. Um, I've tried some commentating, which I've enjoyed. Um, you know, I invest in restaurants and things like that. So that's more, um, that part of it is actually just more luck. It's a friend of mine who wants, wanted to do it. Yeah. I believed in him and it worked out. Um, but of course there's some other, other business stuff that I get involved in. And then now this Denver Nuggets position opened up. So to answer your question, I think what I'm tr still trying to do until I'm done playing is in these moments, in these months, just seeing like, all right, where, like, I like all the things I'm doing, but what am I like, what do I love? What am I like passionate about? What do I, what would I do for free, you know? Right. And then, oh, if they pay you, great. But like, that's kind of, cause I feel like as an athlete, that sport comes to you so naturally and, and you're young and it's all you know, like it's all I know is to like love basketball, be a part of it. Um, it's easy, you know, like even the days that I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to work out. <laughs> I still do it because somewhere right. inside, like I know what, you know, like I know what. You always what feel better when you work out is. anyway. Yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> um, I know the minute it's over, I'm like. Oh. You feel even um, twice as good about like, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just trying to like find something. I know nothing will ever be like basketball. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. It's that's great that impossible. you know that because I coach, oh. a, I business coach a lot of athletes yeah. and I try to set expectations going, Look, you've been through an extraordinary circumstance. Yeah, extraordinary. And you could take Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. who is extremely, Magic Johnson is probably the most uh, successful entrepreneur that I know as yeah. far as that type it of goes, career. Yeah. And he'll even tell you that yeah, all the successes, the announcing, the, the, every, the movies, whatever he's done, yeah. it, it's not like when he hoisted the trophy and played right. for the Lakers or even Michigan State. I think right. everybody varies, or, you know, for my business partner, Warren Moon, winning the MVP of the Rose Bowl, mm -hmm. still sticks in his mind, even though he yeah. played until he was 44. Right, because that was his championship, uh, which is extraordinary. Now, you know, finding yourself is interesting. Competitive athlete, we have a, a big change in the world, and you were on the cover of ESPN, the, the Body Magazine, mm -hmm. right? And you know, I just hugely impressed the people that can inspire other people to be themselves. Yeah. How was making that decision to kind of come out and tell people what your personal choices are mm -hmm. of your lifestyle and what you believe in? What was that? Was that a bigger challenge than anything else? No. So I definitely did it later than yeah. like a lot of people. Um, and that was just kind of how it happened for me. There, For years, I mean years and years and years, um, I'd venture to say close to uh, like 15 years. It was like pretty much everyone in my life that I like Knew. come and, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like an unknown thing. Right, like right, even right. Like, and I see that in sports a lot. Yeah, like, like I, in I know circles you like, have, yeah, yeah, like run in or whatever. I don't know, like yeah. everyone knew it wasn't. But like there is a difference, I get it, as like somebody who's in the public eye, there is a difference. 
between that and saying it publicly. I kind right. of thought or even that. promoting it right on the yeah, cover of a magazine because yeah. yeah, yeah. that's the way that's the choice that I thought is you know people knew mm -hmm. like in the sports world, right? But you know now you get to make a stand for something you believe in, so yeah. that hopefully because I mean kids commit suicide when they're not clear on who they are, and Absolutely. like and I work a lot in that space to try to help people. Sorry, I get choked up, but yeah. you know being who they are. So when someone like you that I look up to as an athlete, you know, goes ahead and promotes the fact that hey, this is cool. Yeah. The, the, it's okay to be you, no matter what you believe in. List right. it out, but it's good to be you. Like I tell people, find your frequency. And the, I think my favorite thing about social media, because mm -hmm. I'm kind of that old man on Instagram, yeah. I have this huge following now, and it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. But I like joke around and go, the coolest thing is I really have. I always wanted everyone to love me. So there's all these things that I wouldn't tell people because right. I want everyone to love me and approve me. Yeah. And I'm older than you, but uh, I got to a point where there's like four billion people on the internet. What if a million people love me and I, I liberated them to be themselves, yeah. but 3.999 million, you know, billion people yeah. didn't know me or didn't like me? That'd be fine, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I had it reversed. I wanted the 3.9 billion yeah. to love me and let one million not like me. Right. And that's completely wrong. Yeah. Have you seen any of that frequency, uh, retro, like the the frequency? Uh, I was going to say that kind of that retribution as far as people going, thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, and that was something I wasn't necessarily. I didn't do it for that reason. Right. Because um, obviously you have to do it for yourself and, and like terms of frequency like you're finding your own right yeah. so but that was like a I'm, for lack of a better word byproduct that was um, I don't know just very touching and like made it it was already worth it you know but it made it like that much more worth it it allowed me to um, find my voice in a different way expand my voice in a different way and I'm just I'm just kind of realizing I think there's one of those things where again I brought up the 15 year thing to say like I was living like my my genuine real Self. life. I wasn't hiding, but there was there is something about just being who you are, about being genuine, about you know like no apologies that people are drawn to, and and I think with that it's like people know when you're being fake, anyways. They feel and it. Yeah, they feel it, and it's it, they just don't want to be around you, and it's like forget like liking or not liking. It's just not fun to be around someone who comes across. This is gonna sound maybe harsh, I don't know, but like almost like hollow. Yeah. You know, it's like it's who wants to have a, yeah, like who wants to have a conversation with someone where you're not getting anything back. So and I think the more genuine and the more real you are about who you are, you're gonna find that people are drawn to that. It's easier to just be in your own skin. And there's like a level of confidence that comes with that that I didn't expect either. It's another nice little byproduct. Right. Like I walk around right. now and I'm like, everybody knows everything, so who cares? Like right. it's great. It's well, nice. I, I try to teach that sincerity and vulnerability mm -hmm. actually create to me invulnerability. Yeah. Because you you like Yeah, you're like I have nothing right, exactly. Nothing I illuminate everything and this is who I am and you know, please love right. me for who I am. Yeah. In terms yeah. of like being gay, especially as a, a female athlete, I think another aspect of it is you know, when you're not saying it, or maybe you're acting shady or whatever you're yeah. doing, you're trying to hide it, it's like all that does is actually create more whispers, it right. creates more talk about you, which is what you're trying to avoid. Well, you resist, persist. Yeah, right? And it's like, it's what you're <laughs> trying to avoid because you don't want people talking about what you're doing, but it's actually just creating it even more. You and then the it. minute you don't do that, it's like, it's And then nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they're like, oh, 
Yeah. Oh, that's your girlfriend? Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, and then cool. they're bored. They're like, it's like literally. There's nothing good there. Yeah, but always before it's like, oh, we saw them out. What were they doing? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre, but it's like that's you nip so it funny. in the bud, you move on, and it's just life is better. I think it that's the best lesson, right? Yeah. Of what it is. Last question. You've done so much at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Do you think about legacy? And if so, what do you want your legacy to yeah. be? Um, I've only recently started to think about it um, because. Like retirement is definitely knocking. Like if I can squeeze out a couple more years, great. And if not, um, I am like satisfied, I guess, with what I have accomplished. So I'm, I'm okay either way. So I'm in a really good spot. And I think because of that, I've started to think about legacy a little bit more. And yeah, like of course, I want to be known and I'm thankful that I will be known as a winner, right? Because that's the one thing that you can't argue. You yeah. can argue, I mean, nowadays, all, what are we talking about? Greatest of all time, Michael, goat, LeBron, yeah, right. Kobe, Super, Kareem, Will. It's like, and you can argue, 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 but what always trumps it? Oh, Jordan has six championships. So it's like, for me, I feel like you might bring up another point guard or another player or someone from a different generation, and you'd be like, oh, points, rebounds, this, that. And, but you can't argue those trophies. Right. So that's and in the really, end, every single athlete knows they play for that trophy. Yeah, absolutely. They don't play for assists, points, no. score, right? No. Nobody cares. No. They, they, that's why Tom Brady is who Tom Brady yeah. is. And so, like, I, it's like you can't argue it. So that I already feel good about. And then I've kind of found this other aspect of, like, my legacy. And it's really as it, as it pertains to the Seattle Storm. And we found ourselves in, like, a little bit of a rebuild the last couple of years. Um, got super lucky, got back-to-back -back number one picks. So that sped the rebuild up. <laughs> um, like, the end of the story is that we won this past year. So it's been great. But the last couple of years were were hard because we had some ups and downs and we didn't make the playoffs obviously to get those picks and you know so on and so forth and what I found in the last mostly like the last two three years is wow I have a chance to groom these young kids and to leave this franchise you know in great hands and have it continue to grow because when I got there it was myself and Lauren Jackson were like the two number one picks and was kind of our franchise the franchise is only like three years old um, it, it, it's obviously one of the more successful ones in the WNBA but it was kind of still a baby, and I feel like I helped grow that baby a little bit. And now yeah. I want that, you know, that teenager to be, you know, given off to uh, to, to somebody who's going to take care of it and help it grow even more. So um, I find that I can build my legacy in that as well. And and that is where um, I don't know. These last couple of years have been probably, in some ways, arguably, just as rewarding as winning. Not quite that feeling, <laughs> but just as rewarding. Close enough. <laughs> well, I really appreciate. It. I have three daughters that are teenagers and. My favorite thing about doing this is the research part, especially mm -hmm. with women entrepreneur, where I can point out people that they may not know about, or at least the story, right. and then engage with my teenagers in an authentic way right. and get their feelings mm -hmm. where they're like, "Oh my God, can I, you know, can I come?" You know, yeah. and they, they're like, <laughs> they oh. be "Right, it's really cool." <laughs> so cool. I'm with somebody really cool, and I am so impressed. Uh, Sue Bird, thank you so much for coming on the playbook. 